1: Greetings, it's meeting time, and to our new listeners, welcome. In Psalm 37, David pens, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they'll never fall, for the Lord holds them by his hand. So, if you're stumbling or existing in the darkness of an uncontrolled addiction, if you're full of guilt, shame, and fear, God has a plan, a pathway, steps for you that will lead you to the light of the world, Jesus Christ, and by way of the Holy Spirit, travel with you hand in hand through the peaks and valleys of recovery, healing, and life. They're known as the 12 steps of recovery, 12 spiritual principles interwoven all throughout Scripture. In our journey, led by the Holy Spirit, we're blessed with a spiritual awakening and equipped with spiritual tools that break these chains of addiction and have the capabilities to die to oneself and receive a new born spirit through the salvation of Jesus Christ. Amen? These 12 steps, they create a new purpose in our lives, and that's to heal our relationship with God ourselves, and others. And it's never too late for you to join us and find this new way of life because we review these 12 golden nuggets of healing over and over again. And you can visit previous meetings and steps by going to our Facebook page, Christians with Secret Addictions, PGH, and click on to our podcast, Christians with Secret Addictions, PGH. My friends, it's very difficult to recover on our own, and you're probably nodding your head in agreement. This is what we call a WE program. We do this together. And during our journey, God puts people into our lives that offer prayers, experience, support, and mentoring. And we find these men and women in our churches and 12-step recovery meetings much like this one. So if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, why not join us? Why not travel with us on this wonderful journey of restoration? We're here every Sunday. Today, we're going to be introducing the eighth step of recovery, that we made a list of all the people that we've harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Now, for your knowledge, this is not to be an extensive study of each step, but an introduction, a review intended to stimulate a need or desire in you to delve more deeply into their inexhaustible treasures and healing powers. Now, in the first seven steps, with a humble and repentant heart, we focus on repairing our relationships with God and ourselves. We've come to the realization that in this sinful act of addiction, we become physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and financially broken, sick men and women. We want to get better and better we become. But this journey doesn't end there. You see, if we're truly honest with ourselves, we're fully aware while existing in our sinful and sane darkness of addiction, we've left casualties behind. People that we've harmed physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. And if not addressed, our guilt, shame, and consequences of the pain we've caused others prevent true recovery, healing, and peace of mind i have to tell you with over 28 years of recovery i've witnessed far too many people abstinent from their active lifestyle but they're miserable why is that because they refuse to apply this eighth principle in their lives isolating in their pride or avoiding people they've harmed in their apathy They exist with a dark cloud of angst and unresolved consequences hovering over them. There's a saying in recovery, you can be clean and sober, but living dirty. And when we refuse to clean up the mess we've caused in others, that's living dirty. And I might add, feeling dirty inside. If you've ever tried to avoid someone you've seen in public because of your negative actions toward them, you know what I mean by feeling dirty inside as you're walking away with your head down. So to be able to look people in the eye, to gain true freedom from these sins, guilt, and shame, we must be willing to be accountable to the people we've harmed. And that's the main objective in this eighth principle the willingness to right our wrongs, and the accountability for our past. Let me say this another way. Last week, we reviewed step seven, where we humbly asked God to remove these shortcomings, these sins. Well, this seventh principle isn't about asking and then standing by as a spectator. It's about being willing to do whatever is necessary to clear away the wreckage of our past. In James 2 17, we learn faith without works is dead. Faith is the cornerstone of our recovery, but it needs to be accompanied by action, by works. Now, James isn't saying that we're saved by faith plus works. No, 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 no. Our salvation comes from our faith in Jesus Christ but I learned this. We are saved by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. Let me repeat that. We are saved by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. In other words, our works, they're not the root of salvation, but the fruits As a born-again Christian, the Holy Spirit gifts us with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the spiritual fruits, the qualities that enable us to make amends and attempt to restore broken relationships. Step eight is the test of our newfound humility, accountability, and willingness. It's in this principle where we put legs on our faith by doing the legwork, taking the action, and incorporating a list of people we've harmed during our act of addiction. Look, when we pick the pen up, when we start writing this list of broken hearts, we're in obedience to one of the most important commandments given by God— which takes us to the scripture I ask you to reference, Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Pharisees, they asked Jesus the most important commandment in the law of Moses. And Jesus answered, you must love the Lord with all your heart. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what does that have to do with making a list, you might be thinking? Well, as I was preparing for this meeting, God put this on my heart. I want you to ponder on this because it's so powerful. If we truly love God with our whole being, which is the most important commandment, the last thing we want to do is disgrace or dishonor his name. And that's exactly what we're doing when we proclaim that we're Christian, followers of Christ's teaching, yet others see us as a hypocrite. Or shit, they see us as the devil himself because of the evil done to them by our actions. My friends, it couldn't be more clear. A so-called believer, prideful, apathetic, and unloving attitude to those we've harmed dishonor the name of God. You see, I've learned as a born again child of God, our most important obligation is to protect the name of Jesus Christ. When we go out of our way to extend our hearts and hands to those with whom we've unresolved conflicts, we're no longer disgracing his name. We're protecting his name as we lift up the high and holy one for all to see by the way we live. Wow. Is that powerful? Thank you, Father. Listen, for us, loving our neighbor starts by writing a list of those that look at us with jaundiced eyes, those that we will try to seek forgiveness and make amends to in step nine. So who are these people that we need to put on this list? Now, I've shared this before, but it bears repeating. God designed these 12 spiritual principles to be worked in order, but they're all interwoven. And by retracing our steps to step four, if done properly, these people are recorded in our searching and fearless moral inventory, a journal where we subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. These are the men and women we've wounded. This is the trail of tears from the hurting people that expected more from you and from me. Now, I've been asked, if this principle is so important, why isn't it the first of these 12 steps? And the answer is, we have to work on our own stuff first. You see, in our early stages of recovery, we're handicapped because we're self-centered with our obsessive and compulsive disease thinking. And being willing and accountable for the pain we've caused you, that's the last thing on our minds. And during that nightmarish period in my life, I wronged many people. My life was like a tsunami, damaging everyone and everything I came in touch with. I wore so many invisible masks of deceit. I was a liar, a manipulator, a thief, and a hypocrite. You know, I was full of guilt and shame back then. But in my insane disease thinking, I couldn't stop doing that which offended God, my family, or you. And I, too, felt dirty inside. I wanted to shrink away. I wanted to melt away so you couldn't see me. And you know what? I almost did melt away because I almost died existing in this demonic control, vicious cycle of addiction. But today, I can look you square in the face. No masks, no guilt, no shame, no resentments, no regrets. And how did that happen? I worked on my own stuff first. I threw myself into this God-given recovery and healing program. They're called the 12 Steps to Recovery. And I continue on this journey every day, attending meetings and breaking bread with fellow believers and recovering men and women where I receive prayer, support, encouragement, and love. And these same men and women, they're waiting for you. Lastly, when it's the right time for you to apply step eight, it'll benefit you the most. You see, our lives catapult into a new dimension. We leave the past where it belongs in the past. We begin to move out of ourselves and unto a healed and restored relationship with others. And most importantly, we need never, Drag the name of God through the muck and mire of our hypocrisy again. Amen. Powerful message, Father. Thank you. Next week, we're going to continue this introduction of the eighth step. And I want you to reference Matthew 18, verses 23 through 35